0: And welcome to Epicenter Bitcoin, episode 13, uh, a weekly podcast about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Today is um, March 30th, and my name is Sébastien Couture. I am a Canadian-born user experience designer and developer based in Lille, France. And I'm Brian Faventier. I'm a billing-based Bitcoin entrepreneur and founder of the Bitcoin Service Billing Group. And we've got uh, a guest on today. So joining us is Sean Jones.
1: Hello there, you two. How are you today? I'm very well. I'm very excited to, uh, to be participating in this podcast.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's uh, really great to have uh, you know, guests on that can help us in understanding these very complex topics. So could you just tell us briefly what you do uh, in the Bitcoin ecosystem?
1: Sure, I'm a regulatory and compliance person at the moment, anyway, and uh, most of my time is spent on advising startups in the cryptocurrency field. Um, we have a lot of folks working in, in uh, exchanges and some investment funds who are starting up here in in, in the UK, and. Um, they, they they need help and advice on the regulatory environment um, here in the UK and in in Europe uh, more widely, particularly in the European Union. It sounds like very challenging work. Well, it's it, it, it's interesting. There's so much data coming in virtually daily now, uh, but it isn't it isn't always very substantive. Although um, the last three or four months have been typified by very broad brush statements, largely warnings of one sort or another from different regulators and authorities around the world. The, uh, the last uh, week or two has seen some more hard information. So we've had some exciting uh, information come out of uh, the USA from the IRS on the federal tax uh, Position in the US, and um, we've had some uh, information published uh, earlier this month from the UK tax authority HMRC, and uh, there's there's even been some news just in the last couple of days from the small. Um, Pretty independent state of uh, the Isle of Man, which is a, a, a British Crown dependency, but is a separate financial centre and has its own laws. And they've also come out with some announcements, so it's starting to get more, uh, more tangible, uh, right now. Yeah,
2: we're going to talk about all of these topics kind of in depth now, and it's it's great to have you on, since we've we've talked about these before. Uh, some of the Middle East, for example, the UK guidance and coverage regulation a number of times, but it's, of course, something different when you have someone who's really focusing on that and kind of understands the
1: nuances as well. Well, you, you mentioned something very important there, which is nuance. Um, at the moment, with such a, a huge gap in, um, in in clarity on the regulatory front, uh, we have to look at the nuances of the various statements that um that come out and try and understand them against the cultural background of that jurisdiction, the financial background, the financial regulatory background of, of those jurisdictions and try and interpret the, the likely direction that they're going in. So nuance yeah. is really important.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think... Uh Especially if you think back to China, for example, right? They they were making some statements and taking different actions, and then understanding just what exactly was their intention, where was that going, was often extremely difficult. And I think it's a, it's the same, maybe to a
1: lesser extent, in in other places. Yes, and 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 indeed in Asia generally, um, I think I think it's hard sometimes to. Interpret exactly what is going on. There, there there's a lot of, um, there are often a lot of different agencies involved. Well, that's true of anywhere. Um, so it's it's sometimes easy to say this is the situation, for example, in China, but it it may only be a, a situation as expressed by one particular body, and right. um, unfortunately, often not accompanied by. Um, publicly available information. So uh, the news that came out of China in the last few days is um, it's essentially hearsay. And um, it's, 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 in fact, there's nothing published that, um, that we've been able to identify on the, um, on the People's Bank of China website. So very difficult to, to, to measure exactly what's going on.
0: Yeah, not to mention the, the obvious difference in cultural context. Like I think what, what's missing a lot of times from these statements coming out of China is the cultural context that we I mean here in the West for those who uh have haven't been to China um, is is completely beyond them. But but uh so there's that and like you said, you know, there's also the uh the, the lack of um actual Public information, like you said, it's mostly hearsay.
2: Well, let's get started with our first topic because I mean it's exactly what we're talking about. No, I think it's the IRS tax guidance, which was a kind of long-awaited, very important event. So, um, just very briefly, and then maybe uh, Sean, you can go in more depth about what it means. But very briefly, the IRS. Which is the u k it's it's for internal revenue service, so the the tax authorities in the u s they issued guidance that basically bitcoin is a property for tax purposes, so that means for example, you are supposed to pay capital gains tax on uh, the appreciation of uh, the value of bitcoins and um this is something that's been long-awaited. And it's also kind of confusing because now you have the IRS classifying as property, but then you have other um, U.S. government authorities who treat it more as money. So uh, perhaps, Sean, do you want to talk a bit about this, about what exactly happened and what it means?
1: Well, yes. As you say, it's uh, it's long-awaited. Um, there's been a lot of criticism, I think, in the States. Um Uh, of of there having been no clear tax guidance. And I think uh, this time of year is of of great concern to U.S. taxpayers because they have to file various uh, returns. And um, taxpayers in in the U.S. haven't understood how they should treat Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies generally. So... A particular department in fact a, a named author, which is always interesting uh, within the within the IRS has published uh, a document which is an official uh, you know, official officially recognized by the IRS and uh, forms a set of guidelines to clarify how uh, cryptocurrencies or as they refer to them as virtual currencies should be treated. Uh, as you rightly say, Brian, they have said it's property. That's, that's really the key issue. So it's treated like, um, like assets um, and so is very much subject to capital gains. The big distinction of it being treated as an asset is that it's not a currency in tax terms. The language that's used recognises that um, cryptocurrency, virtual currencies, are used as a means of payment. So it it recognises, if you like, its currency-like application, but makes it clear, as indeed most authorities who have said anything on the subject at all, have made it clear that it isn't legal tender, not legal tender in the States or anywhere else in any jurisdiction. And so it has no no role, if you like, um, as currency, as as money in that sense. Notwithstanding that other entities, for example, FinCEN, who are responsible for administering... uh, anti-money laundering laws and so forth, um, have considered it to be more like money and exchanges are money transmitters and so forth. Um, For tax purposes, and and there isn't necessarily a, um, a problem in different authorities viewing Bitcoin as something slightly different in different spheres, but so far as tax is concerned, it's a bit like any other Asset, any other property.
2: So are are there other examples of um, uh, types of um, goods, assets, or or similar things where you have this difference where, let's say, FinCEN considers it money, but the IRS considers it property? I
1: I don't know of any specifics. I'm, I'm not an American specialist particularly, and my scope is largely in, in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Okay. So, I don't have any other examples, but it's certainly not unheard of in most tax regimes for different approaches to, to be taken. And indeed, here in in the UK, there, there is a, – a, a, maybe we'll talk about that later – but there is a, a difference between the way the uh, financial conduct authority who deal with regulation in uh, the financial sector, how they treat cryptocurrencies from how the tax authority treats it.
2: So you don't think this is going to be a problem in the long run?
1: What that the, there are different interpretations of, of what Bitcoin is in relation to whether or not it's currency. Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think that's, a, that's the problem. I think the real um, difficulty for American taxpayers is the amount of record keeping they have will have to keep because they they use Bitcoin. Quite understandably, as, as most of us in the Bitcoin space treat it as money-like, as currency. But um, they'll need to keep track of their purchases and disposals on a you know cup of coffee by cup of coffee, coffee basis. It's um, it's a nightmare. That's,
2: I mean, that's what I read in different places, and I guess it's kind of a a logical conclusion from the IRS guidance we've seen. I'm wondering about the the practical reality of that. Is the IRS actually going to enforce that? Because it seems impossible. Even going back, most people probably don't have complete records of... um, when they bought the Bitcoins, definitely not when they spent them, if they've spent it, like, as, you, as you say, money-like. So do you think people are going to get in trouble because of that?
1: Well, interestingly enough, they say that these, uh, this interpretation uh, of, the, of, of existing rules, which they're now answering the questions on and, and making clear, guidelines um, is effectively uh, not something new but something that has always been the case and so they 're saying yeah you you know that you should have filed your your returns in the past based on uh, on this set of guidelines but having said that um, they do say that uh, if you 've got a kind of reasonable excuse um, and maybe the lack of guidelines I, I, I guess is something you could argue as a reasonable excuse um, means they might not um, might not impose penalties uh, for failure to to file uh, proper returns in the past uh, hopefully folks will will be able to make a good argument that um, in the absence of of guidelines they they, they, they shouldn 't be penalized. But as you say, in, in terms of keeping records, wow! You know, every time you you, you, you spend a, uh, money on anything, I know where uh, you are, Brian, in Berlin. You've got a, a big Bitcoin cafe culture. Imagine every time a, 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 some cafe and Kuchen had been um, yeah, purchased. Yeah. It's 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 frightening to think but, what the implications might.
2: Uh, be. I mean, I you know, if you think of Kind of actual behavior, I'm pretty sure that no one's actually going to do that, or very few people will do that. I, I mean, people may do that with large purchases and, and then or you know, you bought for a substantial amount of money as a kind of investment thing and then and you hold it for a while, then you know, this kind of thing works. But for people who use it regularly, this is, you know, I, I think in reality, people just won't do it.
1: So yeah there is a small exemption actually uh, uh, which 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 perhaps makes the cup of coffee example um, a little unreal um, there is a $200 per transaction um, exemption from capital gains tax so oh. the individual cup of coffee, actually doesn't necessarily create a capital gain but the, the gain arises because you've crystallized the value so you you start with a with a base value uh the the dollar equivalent of what the bitcoin cost you and or indeed if you mind uh, the, the the value of Bitcoin on the day it was mined. That's the base value. And uh, as we've seen over the last um, uh, two, three years, a huge increase in the value of Bitcoin. So when you come to spend it a day, a week, a month later, um, you crystallize its value by virtue of the value of the thing you've purchased with it. So, yeah, if if, if an amount of Bitcoin cost you a dollar, as a base value uh, six months ago, and it's now worth, or will buy you a $2 cup of coffee. Then you've made a capital gain on the day that you buy your coffee. You've crystallized or realized the gain, and you've now got a a, a, a $1 capital gain.
2: So I'm curious, is there $200 that's per transaction, or...? total per year, or how does that work?
1: As our, our understanding is that it's per transaction. Oh, that's interesting.
2: So, if you that also means if you spend it all kind of in chunks, below $200, you don't have to pay any capital
1: gains tax. Well, that's something we're um, investigating at the moment, but that's certainly our understanding right now. I, I, I'm, I'm quite willing to be... Uh, to be put right by an American uh, a tax accountant. But as it stands with this news only having come out in the last week, that's our interpretation.
0: Now, My, my question about this guideline, so it is a guideline. What's the legal value that this document has? I mean, uh, does this have any legal value in court where it's not enacted into law or tax law, or do these guidelines actually have weight?
1: Well, the guidelines... Say what the IRS's understanding of the existing laws are. So, right. so it doesn't create something. Basically. As, particularly in somewhere like the USA, um, if you've got loads of money to spend on on taking something to court, then yes, anything is it can be challenged.
0: Mm-hmm. So, their interpretation of the law could potentially be challenged by some by someone who um, who interprets it differently. Indeed, sir. Hmm. That's really interesting because then, and then in that case, uh, this this guideline
1: may evolve uh, in the future. I, I think they go as far as to, to to say that that is the case that it is likely to uh, change. Um, interestingly enough, the the UK is. Um, a brief that came out, which is a similar set of guidelines in a way, uh, says something very, very similar. Uh, I think they even explicitly pointed out, right? They do. They, yeah, they, yeah. they make it very clear that, you know, it's an evolving area. Uh, they're trying to plug a gap, and indeed, how Bitcoin is treated by other agencies. So, coming back to, to your earlier point, Brian, how it's treated by other agencies, and indeed by the law, May have an impact on how it is then treated for tax purposes later.
0: Now, what are your thoughts on actual enforcement? So, uh, we we talked about this. Uh, what, so, what do they call it? They they call it material uh, materiality. So, this is the this is the idea that anything under a certain amount is not considered capital gains. So, yes, yeah, so there seems wh-
1: to be a specific exemption on capital uh, gains below $200 per transaction. So it's 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 written in the, the existing tax codes that mm-hmm. is, um, you know, that, that would be the case with other. I think it was mainly put there to cover foreign currency situations where you,
2: you know, you buy some. Foreign currency. Because, I I mean, I may be wrong about this. I mean, you, you definitely know this better. But I feel like I saw somewhere that someone said, The exemption, there is an exemption specifically for for foreign currency, but it doesn't in generally apply the capital gains thing. And uh, that it it was kind of put specifically for the foreign currencies and that there was a possibility the same thing would be done for Bitcoin, which would be desirable, but I wasn't aware it was already
1: the case. Yeah, I need perhaps also to, to clarify something. Um, This 200-pound exemption um, uh, applies, as we understand it, um, on a per-transaction basis, and it's only on personal transactions. So uh, this was, as we understand it, something that was to cover a situation where you would buy foreign currency for your personal use uh, when traveling and that you weren't – when you bought your cup of coffee uh, abroad outside of the u s that you weren't um, you weren't going to be uh, creating taxable events a, a realization of any profit or loss that's uh, that 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 two hundred dollars I think it, we've identified is a is a real amount and it is a real exemption on a per transaction basis
0: okay. So one thing we should probably touch on is we've been talking about consumers right now, or just regular people using Bitcoin. But this guideline uh, really kind of sets the the stage for how miners are going to have to uh, declare their gains, investors, exchanges, cons- you know, just regular consumers, also merchants and 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 companies who pay their employees in Bitcoin. So there's like a wide range of of different types of People that this could affect, and that all have their own specific, um, um, uh, yeah, specificities. But but by and large, uh, any gains
1: are treated as um, uh, are taxable in in the same kind of way, right? And and the income as well. So if you are an employee and paid in Bitcoin or you're self employed and you you earn your income in bitcoin that 's just the same as if it was um, something that was paid in dollars or euros um, or any other currency it's income at the time that you earn it right if you're a miner then it is income um, at, at the point in time where you successfully mine so if you if you are successful in mining a block, then the value of the Bitcoin that you have mined on the day you've mined it is income. Um, if you are a trader, um, you create income. If you're an exchange, you create income from your fees.
0: Hmm. Are, are there any possibility, like situations where you could be potentially taxed twice? I know this in France... Um, uh, maybe we could kind of touch on if you're familiar with the the guidelines in France, but there's something where perhaps if you're um, using Bitcoin to as a merchant, you'd be paying the uh, the VAT at the sale of the product, but you're also paying VAT when you're selling the Bitcoin or something something like that. You're um, I don't know if you're familiar with that.
1: Well, VAT is, is a different situation altogether. That's a consumption tax. Okay, right. Um, and maybe we can talk about that one later on because that's that's a minefield. VAT is is largely a European tax, although there are sales taxes in, in the U.S. They don't work in the same kind of way. And there's something called um, GST, which works in, for example, Australia, which – is something similar to to VAT, uh, but they're they're something they're something quite different uh, from from either a corporation or an individual's income from earn you know from his earnings or profits or gains. Yeah.
0: So in that case, with regards to this, this guideline uh, by the IRS, are, are there scenarios in which you could be paying? Twice for some reason, like paying, coming in,
1: paying, like, I don't know how that would work, but. I haven't seen anything that would imply double taxation. No. Okay. No. Hmm.
2: So, what's your view? What's the effect going to be on the Bitcoin economy, the Bitcoin startups
1: in the US? I think that clarity. Is or the lack of clarity, I should say, has been a, a stumbling block. It's something that's caused uh, businesses to be slow to, uh, to 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 get underway. I think uh, uncertainty means you, you don't know how to price something, you don't know how to cost it, you don't know what the implications of your on your business model might be. So i th- I view this generally positively you know it's a positive statement. People know where they stand at least for now, um, I think that's a good thing. I think if the rest of the regulatory space becomes equally clear over this next few months, maybe the rest of this year, then that will um, definitely let u uh, s companies and u s entrepreneurs get underway um, in, and, and will be good for business and will be good for Bitcoin. Unfortunately, the US has a, a, a tendency to, to regulate and regulate quite heavily and regulate at a state level and at a federal level and that all works out as something very exp- to be something very expensive. So some you know, some American entrepreneurs look to start their businesses outside the U.S. But broadly speaking, I think it's a positive step. People know where they stand. I don't know if the stance about capital gains realization will, um, you know, the practicality of keeping track of of, of, of every. Bitcoin and unit of a Bitcoin that's that's spent is, uh, is going to work. But as it stands at the moment, that's the treatment and it's probably a common sense treatment given the rest of a U.S. federal tax um, system.
2: So what's the one area or what are the areas that still need regulatory uh, clarification so that we do get to the point that kind of startups you know, know what the situation is in the US and, and can establish their companies.
1: Whether or not they need to register as, as as money transmitters, um I think the general feeling is that they do and in some parts of the US that's already been made quite Clear FinCEN have already issued uh, guidelines. I think that um, clarity across the states on, on 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 financial regulation is 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 really crucial. Of course, we've heard this thing about bit licenses coming out of of New York, and um, that will be quite an interesting development. Again, uh, some may view it as being a a burden, but uh, I actually think that it's been floated as an idea to allow uh, businesses in New York to um, to 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 have clarity, be able to do what they need to do. Interestingly enough, do it with um, something that's very specifically targeted at Bitcoin or cryptocurrency businesses, and then get on with, with starting up their, 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 their businesses. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the
2: way to go in the future, is that will be specific Bitcoin or cryptocurrency specific regulation versus what's going on now, where you take existing regulation and you kind of say this one applies to Bitcoin and but not that one.
1: Of course, if one could, if one could um, wave a magic wand, I, I think, um, I think one would love to have Bitcoin specific or cryptocurrency specific regulation. Uh, cryptocurrency, I mean, not that I'm. Advocating that regulation is a good thing, or, or or not, although there are many arguments for why that should or shouldn't be the case. I I think the problem of making the you know the 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 square shape of cryptocurrencies fit the round holes of existing regulation is is, is a real challenge because cryptocurrencies don't exactly fit anything that's gone before. They're bits of various things. Uh, it's very much a hybrid. Um, on one, um, one forum last week, uh, a, a noted lawyer in this space referred to it as a funky hybrid, and I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. So we need clarity. We need to understand what it is in the law because legally it's, it's, it's unclear. Uh, what is this thing? you know it's it's not tangible, but it has rights associated with it, but it's not issued by anyone i mean the, the 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 problem is that most regulation, particularly in the financial sector, is geared to some instrument or something having been issued by some some entity, and there is no issuer so immediately we have a problem of trying to find out what it is. We have something that is at the same time a payment system and um, in many parts of the world, here in Europe. Of course, we we have very specific regulation of payment systems and payment services, rather, that go with payment systems. Um, Real challenge. Um, Yes, I would love to see such regulation as there will be be very specific but of course that requires a huge amount of political will and a great deal of time so i don't think we'll see that anytime I, soon i think
0: this is expected though i mean we, we this is what we've talked about so much before is that we it's kind of expected that uh bitcoin specific or cryptocurrency specific regulation isn't going to be coming out uh, very soon and that for the for the meantime, or at least uh, as governments and, and central banks start wrapping their head around it, it's going to be, like you said, f- f- fitting uh, uh, square pegs into round holes. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's something I wanted to get your your guys' impressions on. So this is you know, much needed regu- uh, uh, guidance, and it really kind of clarifies um, f- for, for businesses and individuals what, what needs to be done in terms of taxation, which is – been awaited for a long time but um, effectively like what my impression is that you know, this is very burdensome like from an administrative point of view and it might in fact scare some companies uh, away and uh, just because of the, of the the burden and the time and, and money that it's going to take to track every transaction um, for instance and that companies might move to other places where regulation is a bit more lax and um, where there isn't very clear guidelines but they're freer to do uh, what they choose without uh, much scrutiny from um, government bodies like, I don't know, the Isle of Man for instance or (laughs) other other (laughs) European
1: jurisdictions. Um,
0: There there are are certainly some
1: lower and and, uh, more lightly taxed uh, jurisdictions uh, and I think you'll find that in any event in this space. I mean, there was a there was a, an exodus of um, American business down to Panama um, around about a year ago, um, because of the lack of clarity, the lack of certainty, and I'm sure because um, you know the tax regime there is is beneficial, although the bureaucracy is greater. So you, you have some. Some different trade-offs. Yes, the Isle of Man and perhaps some of the other more developed offshore jurisdictions are, you know, for businesses, are certainly very attractive.
2: I, w- I want to uh, briefly talk about one more thing regarding to this IRS thing, and then maybe we can uh, move on to the Isle of Man and those other topics. Um, w- from my understanding, what I read is because the question is also right now you spend you buy something with let's say one bitcoin and you bought at different times in the past at different prices Uh, so the question is like what's your the base level from which to calculate your capital gains and uh, I saw I, I don't know what your view on this is but I saw some people mention that the the way this should be done is by something called first in first out yes something. so right.
1: yeah there are there are there are a number of ways of approaching capital gains and our understanding is that you can apply different um, different methods although presumably they have to be applied consistently but the default method in the states as i understand it is first in first out so uh, the oldest you know you you, you consume your Bitcoin, you realize your gains or indeed, I suppose, crystallized losses in some cases um, uh, based on the the oldest that you purchased. Of course, you have uh, the most ideal scenario is when you've got a, 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 an exact amount of Bitcoin that you've you've purchased in one transaction and you close it out in another transaction, like for like, that's dead easy. You can match them. But in reality, people are receiving Bitcoins and they're going into a pot and they're then um, being spent at a different rate. And uh, in that situation, first in, first out is is the default position. However, there, there are alternatives. One is last in, first out. Uh, so the newest uh, in... So your pot could be treated as the, as, the, as the first to be spent. And there's also a system of averaging your cost over, over time, over that pot. Um, but, you know, in, in reality, I think they're going to be even harder to administer unless you're doing it as a business and you set up your programs to your accountancy programs to, to handle all of that.
2: I was thinking of one specific use case where, so let's say um two years ago, you know, you're very lucky. You bought a thousand Bitcoins at, I don't know, whatever, uh, you know, $10 a Bitcoin or something. Um And this is, you treat this like a retirement fund or something. So you have that somewhere stashed away uh, in some paper wallets. Uh, but now you also want to, you know, Uh, Buy some Bitcoins, buy a beer, that type of thing. Or perhaps buy a a, a bed or a computer with Bitcoin and you buy new Bitcoins. Now, uh, the issue, of course, is if you have this um, first in, first out, each time you make a transaction now, you essentially have to pay another, uh, you have to pay taxes on that whole thing, on the whole transaction. Which, of course, is a bit uh burdensome in a sense. Cause it, you might you might not want to pay those taxes now, you might want to pay those taxes later. Uh, so I, I I'm curious if in that if in that case there will be also taking into consideration how you use them. So if you can say okay I, I've segregated those, those are different addresses, there's no overlap and then if you could, if you could do something like that.
1: If you have a A separate Bitcoin address for every receipt of Bitcoins, it becomes much easier because you can identify exactly which Bitcoins you have then spent. So you can look at the precise base that was used for those Bitcoins at the time you spend them. If, As you say, you use them as a retirement fund. That could be in many years' time. There is an advantage, by the way, that I ought to mention, which is that because it's treated as property, there are – Advantages to holding on to property for uh, extended periods of time so if you hold your if you don't crystallize your gain and uh, for at least 12 months so if you hold that asset for more than 12 months then uh, you get a low, your capital gain the increase in value the tax on that increase in value is at a lower rate than if you spend your bitcoins in under 12. Months.
2: Yeah, it's actually interestingly here in Germany, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's free if it's over twelve months. So mm. that is, in a sense, is very attractive from that from that point of view.
1: Absolutely, yes. G- G- Germany is a very good environment for uh, encouraging inve- uh, longer term uh, investment. There is a down, there's the other side of the coin, by the way, which is that um, if you are trading in Bitcoin, and quite what might be classed as trading um, is itself, I suppose, going to have to be tested. But if you're trading, buying and selling, that's just what you do, perhaps you're a market maker, for example, then um, you're Bitcoin that you purchase is considered like inventory it's stock you're you're buying it in as your trading stock and the disposal or sale of that stock um, is not a capital gain so it does not it doesn't come under capital gains it comes up as income so just as if you were buying and selling widgets you would be buying and selling Bitcoin now if that is your business then you're taxed on on um, on your profits as income. Admittedly, you have the other advantage. You can offset your business expenses, but you're taxed as if it was ordinary income. And if it's ordinary income in the States, that's the most expensive uh, rates of tax that apply. Interesting.
0: Now, what about crystallizing losses? So if you... I, I know that, for instance, uh, in the Canadian tax law, when, when you have capital gains loss, you... Uh, you have tax deductions. I don't know if this is the case, case in the States.
1: Uh, there, there are um, provisions for, for capital losses. Um, so if you, uh, if, you, if you make a loss, uh, you um, uh, you can only set them off against gains. So you can't, say, set off capital losses against income Although, having said that, there is a um, $3,000 sort of small loss concession. So, if you make small losses below 3,000 capital losses, that is, then you can offset those against your ordinary income. But um, otherwise, your losses can only be set off against capital profits. And um, if you don't use them up in the current year, then you can carry those losses forward. So, you don't get... You, you don't have the full advantage if you, if you get hit badly in one particular year, and that is a consideration uh, in a very volatile market.
0: Yeah. So how, how would this work? So let's say you you buy, um, you buy say, $1,000 in Bitcoin, and the price goes down, and you sell them at, at $100. Uh, and so you, you, you have no gains for that period.
1: So you've, you've got can, a $900 loss. You've got a $900
0: loss. loss. You can carry that over.
1: Well, if, if that's the only loss that you've made, capital loss that you've made, yeah. and then you can, because it's below the, the $3,000 threshold, then you can offset that against your ordinary income, so your, your earnings from salary and, and uh, self-employment yeah. what, and so what, forth. What some might call a tax deduction. It is. So you okay. can deduct that against right, against okay. tax. However, um, let's say that you um, you'd made a loss, a capital loss of four thousand uh, dollars. So it's it's above that threshold. Then uh, you need to uh, y- you won't be able to use all of it up that year unless you've made other capital gains. So if you I don't know if you bought some uh, uh, some stocks and they've done particularly well and you've made capital gains, you can offset your Bitcoin capital losses against your other capital gains. But if your losses across the board exceed. Um, your capital gains for that year, then whatever the surplus is, you have to carry forward to the next year. Yeah. Okay. I see.
2: Well, I think that brings some clarity to this situation. Uh, yeah. I think. I think it will be very interesting to see uh, the realities of this. You know, if this is really going to have a kind of crippling effect on Bitcoin's use as as money, as a payment system or not? Because I I think that's really the big question
1: here. I I agree with you, Brian. I think you could envisage it as being something akin to buying your cups of coffee. And I know we've said cup of coffee probably isn't a good example, but your purchases over uh, or your gains over um, $200. But uh, imagine uh, you were paying for stuff day to day with – i don 't know stocks and shares and other investments that would be uh, the equivalent so you 'd then have to keep track of every little you know purchase that you 'd made uh, having paid for it with um, with stocks and shares uh, and of course we don 't use currency like that you know we we the whole point is that it 's fairly frictionless in the in bitcoin and crypto generally you 've got your your a mobile phone app you, you pay for your small purchases in a pub or a coffee house or for some capital items online and so forth, and uh, you 're doing this day in day out it's certainly very burdensome and yes, I agree with you it'll be right. it 'll be interesting to see how that pans out in in reality. There is talk that um, the IRS will do what they 've done in some other fields, which is to get the big online um, sellers, retailers, to provide them with information about what people are buying. Uh, so that's one way for them to to track purchases because, of course, they can um, relate that back to you know, Bitcoin purchases back to potential gains. So uh, there are dangers, I guess, in in not accounting for for, for Bitcoin capital gains. Uh, On a day-to-day basis, I guess somebody will come up with a smart uh, set of apps uh, for keeping track of your expenses, your Bitcoin expenses, uh, and working out uh, the the tax. Um, Much the same way that there's software for tracking gains and losses on on stocks and shares, just making something a little bit more user-friendly for your iPhone or your Android.
0: Yeah, there seems to be some opportunity there. um, Uh, Yeah, go ahead, Brian.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm curious if you could go back and sort of redesign this IRS tax guidance, uh, how would you go about that? Because in a sense, I think it makes sense to me that you have to pay capital gains tax on the Bitcoin price increases. It's just that the reality, I think, is a problem. But uh, if you could kind of rewrite that, how would you do it?
1: Oh, that's a hell of a big question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) How would I do it? Um, I think jurisdictions across the world will have to consider what really cryptocurrencies are. And once they've made up their mind about what they are, then they can start to write some rules that are very specific. In the meantime, what we have is a set of interim uh, positions that... Really state largely the common sense approach, given tax laws that, in some cases have evolved over you know not only many years but decades and um i, I guess there's the, the, the there isn't a simple way of saying you know re- rewrite it the only the only real way to do it is say it's it's it is currency it's like a foreign currency it's like money, but I don't think any jurisdiction is very close. To, to recognizing it as money. Now, once but, but if a single jurisdiction…
2: If it was recognized as money, would that mean uh, the appreciation of value of bitcoins would be completely untaxed, or how would that work? Well,
1: no, no, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. Because in the States, as I understand it, over and above that uh, $200 um, limit, uh, you can hold… Foreign currencies, you can hold balances in 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 foreign accounts, but you're still going to be you're still going to be taxed on on um, on the change, you know, on the change in in value. I think though that there's a difference in the way that it would be applied on a uh, on, a, on a, a, a you know a, a spend by spend an individual transaction by transaction basis. But um, no, I, I think it's the problem of it being not the not the the legal tender of the country that you're taxed in. I mean, that's actually the real problem.
2: So that's the solution. We just make it a legal tender.
1: It will certainly change <laughs> the regulatory environment uh, uh, across the globe the moment one jurisdiction anywhere in the world recognizes it as legal tender because so many existing laws are uh, define uh, this thing that's currency based on whether or not it's legal tender anywhere in the world. Oh, the moment it becomes nice. legal tender, it changes.
2: I've never thought of this before, but so if any any country in the world somewhere uh, classifies this as legal tender, this would have, for example, implications as well for yes. what the IRS does with it.
1: Um, quite possibly, yes. I would imagine it, it will do so in the States and it will certainly do so in Europe, yes.
0: Yeah, but you know what also is... is will make this kind of... Um, so... As the price also uh, stabilizes, then this accounting nightmare kind of goes away, right? Um, this this is complicated right now because there's so much volatility, and you have to keep track of of, uh, of potential gains and losses on so many on, on varying levels of um, of value up against the U.S. dollar. Once that price stabilizes, then that kind of disappears.
1: Yes, and it also means that although there will be fluctuations, just as there are between, say, the dollar and the euro, the differences, the gains and the losses on an individual spends will be – Trivial and are less likely to 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 be of um, interest uh, real interest to uh, to a tax authority of course now it's very interesting to tax authorities because uh, there's a lot of windfall tax revenue to be had from anybody who who um, you know, acquired their bitcoin at uh, at, at, at sub one dollar or sub ten dollars or sub one hundred dollars
0: mm. now yeah so how, how does this affect um uh, previous purchases. So is this, so as of now or anything that you sell as of now? So if, if I uh, purchased some bitcoins five years ago, or three years ago and I sell them now, am I subject to this, uh, new guideline or
1: it, 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 it's a new guideline, but it's stating the position as the IRS believes it always to have been within oh. the context of, 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 of us tax regulations. So, um, they're saying that you could just be liable to, uh, to penalties for failure to having declared your taxes according to oh, that's these guidelines.
0: So if, if you bought and sold Bitcoin prior to this guideline being uh, published and you didn't follow this exact uh, guideline, then you're liable to being audited and potentially... And penalized, direct, yes. They, penalized.
1: They, 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 I'll actually read a little bit from the guideline. It says, um, uh, underpayments attributable to virtual currency transactions may be subject to penalties such as accuracy-related penalties under a certain section and so forth. In addition to failure to timely or correctly report virtual currency transaction, when required to do so, may be subject to information reporting penalties under other sections. Um, and then it goes on, however, to say... Penalty relief may be available to taxpayers uh, and persons required to file an information return who are able to establish that the underpayment or failure to properly file information returns is due to reasonable cause. Hmm. And this is what I was saying earlier on. You know, you could say lack lack of guidelines. guidelines. Reasonable cause. Mm, You could certainly argue that that, you know, um, was was reasonable cause. But, you know, they they may counter that, of course, by saying that – you know, the guidelines only say, uh, clarify, if you like, the IRS's understanding of the laws as they have always been. So, um, you know, you should have got legal advice or tax advice, and uh, if in doubt, file and so on. So, yeah. I, nobody knows quite how that one's going to. So, uh, we, hopefully, we, they're going to be reasonable. So, we could
0: p- perhaps uh, anticipate a, a quite a, a few people uh, and companies refiling perhaps, for prior years? I don't know if that's possible.
1: I I think that uh, U.S. taxpayers uh, with potentially large gains that have occurred as a result of maybe early acquisition of Bitcoins would definitely be wise to... Definitely, I think folks in in the U.S. who acquired Bitcoin early on at relatively low values would be very wise to... Uh, book an appointment with their uh, tax accountants, and if necessary, with their attorneys to interpret uh, the impact uh, of this new guideline. I guess a lot of uh, American tax and legal professionals will be very happy with uh, with this situation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I yeah, suppose so. Create some work.
1: Absolutely. More jobs. <laughs> That's what we want, right? That's what yes. we want the Bitcoin in the Bitcoin space, and of course, hopefully, you can pay your your tax accountant and uh, some lawyers, certainly in the states, uh, in Bitcoin now. So that 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 should be good.
2: Cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the UK uh, uh, tax guidance. I mean, we've had something a bit different, but. Uh, Another tax guidance there a few weeks ago, and uh, we talked about it. But you kind of wanted to to touch on that again because you felt some things haven't been uh, properly understood. Uh, perhaps can you just remind us again what exactly the tax uh, the guidance there was from HMRC?
1: Yes, sure. HMRC came up with a much more simplified, and in this case. Uh, an official document that you can fully rely on for the time being and that applies to um, to the position from the start. So a bit like the IRS, this says this is the position as HMRC understand it and that it has always been but has the weight of, of something that you can rely on um, um,
2: it, do, it uh, does come from Her Majesty after all.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I I suspect she 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 might not know too much about what Bitcoin are, but <laughs> yeah, that's 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 an interesting one. Um maybe you can you can pay your visitor fees to Buckingham Palace in Bitcoin soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now um so this has a full weight. Uh it you can rely on it. it goes to some considerable pains to make it clear that it's an evolving space that uh, it could change in the future but that if it does change those changes will only apply from that point in time so you don't you know you have certainty and that's actually one of the 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 really positive aspects of this particular um, uh, brief um it's it is recognizing the language recognizes that it is very much like a currency again it makes the point that it's not legal tender anywhere but that it works like a currency and unlike the situation in in the states uh, really is more favorable to, to to treatment as a currency particularly from the VAT the value added tax perspective which for for listeners who are outside of Europe um value added tax is is a is a consumption tax is a sales tax and it's applied through the whole value chain now that itself creates some interesting points which I think may not have yet been fully appreciated by uh, by UK taxpayers and I, I may come back to that in a in a few moments but it shows that HMRC actually have gone to great lengths to understand cryptocurrencies. Uh, They clearly do understand the mining process. They understand what exchanges are, what payment processes are, and they understand the nature, the way in which um, Bitcoin, I'll use the term Bitcoin to refer to all cryptocurrencies, but um, they they recognize the way in which it is used as a means of paying for stuff, for goods and services. That's very positive. There is also mention of the corporation tax, income tax, and capital gains tax treatments for, for Bitcoin, and that's also very positive, although there is nothing new and nothing special. Now, a little bit of history. This is the first official statement by HMRC. So they have previously answered specific queries from some Bitcoin businesses asking what the VAT treatment should be. And they've answered um, some of them on the lines that in their interpretation it's something like a single-use voucher. In other words, a kind of goods in its own right, and was subject to VAT. So they recognized that when you were buying something and paying for it with Bitcoin, there was in fact a barter transaction going on, the underlying product in one direction, and the Bitcoin in the other direction, which was a bit like, I don't know, paying for your, um, your cup of coffee by giving a cake in exchange. So how does VAT the, work in such a case? Well, in this case, there would be VAT on both, the, on, both sides. Well, on both sides, which, of course, yeah. was a nonsense, especially for exchanges. So this had been fairly vociferously argued against. And uh, some people who, who are now very much involved in a newly formed UK Digital Currency Association... Uh, made representations to the policymakers rather than perhaps middle managers at HMRC to really, um, you know, uh, come up with a with a, a more sensible approach. And this brief that came out at the beginning of March is that is that uh, response. And it recognises that people use it in payment, and as such, there's no VAT on the, the means of payment. So uh, it's, it, it, you're buying a cup of coffee and you're giving something like money in exchange and it works like money for VAT purposes. The money itself doesn't have VAT on it. That's great news. That's, that's brilliant news and it's common sense.
2: Are you? Does it say anything about the thing that the U.S. talked about, so what you have to do with an appreciation in the value of your Bitcoins?
1: Yes, and um, it, it, it there is very similar to, um, to the U.S. Um, it relies more on saying, actually, we don't think, we HMRC, don't think there is uh, anything special about Bitcoin that isn't otherwise addressable within the current uh, corporation tax for companies, income tax for individuals and uh, capital gains tax for individual regime, that that everything is otherwise answered uh, under those those rules. So, yes, you have a similar process where you realize a capital gain when you buy your cup of coffee um, or capital loss in some circumstances. In other words, the difference between the base price, what it costs you, um, to to acquire your Bitcoin and what you uh, what, what it's worth at the point where you spend the Bitcoin however the, the regime in the UK is much more um, much more lenient there are allowances um, we have a new tax year starting uh, this week on the 6th of April so the limits change very slightly but uh, I'll talk in round numbers. There's about £11,000 of um, exempt exempt amount that or you can gains. have as a capital gain in any yes. one year across all your capital gains. And um, that is much higher, I believe, than in, in most uh, jurisdictions. Yes, it's And um, it, it's very generous, and it means that you can make that capital appreciation um without re- i mean you do have to keep track of them but you really don't need to keep the detailed records of every dif- every individual spend i believe when you've got fairly trivial amounts involved i think you can you can if, as long as you can if necessary prove that you had trivial amounts and what you spent was trivial then obviously the 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 gain is going to be trivial
0: so do you think this is the type of like the contrast between the uk and the us and how they interpret bitcoin and and what it's uh, classified as uh do you think other european countries are going to be moving more towards this kind of private currency um representation or more leaning towards uh what what the us is uh, saying in their guidelines
1: Yes the the US don't seem to to have this notion or concept of a private currency and indeed in in the UK there isn't really a, 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 a strictly speaking a uh, something recognized as a private currency, but I believe Brian, in in Germany, you have such a such a thing as a as a private currency. And Barfin uh, yeah, came out last year with uh, with a statement that said, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies definitely fitted in that space. So rules that sort of already exist for private currency. I think yes, it does because it's a very convenient. Um, hole in which to 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 place this uh, this square peg, I definitely think there 's been a rounding off of that square peg uh, at the moment you can uh, you can class it as something that yes it 's an asset it 's not legal tender it 's not strictly speaking currency but it works like currency and it 's used like but currency
2: i fi- i think this is a pretty also you know if we come back to the question i was asking before like you know what would have been a better uh IRS guidance I I think if that same thing instead of you know the $200 you talked about if that was $10,000 uh, but perhaps in an aggregate over the year or something just like you said for the UK I think that would make it all a lot more reasonable so if you could kind of say all the small purchases don't worry about it but then if you bought you made like a significant investment in Bitcoin you held that and then you sold that well, then you do need to pay those capital gains
1: taxes. Yes. And the problem is when you're saying, well, what would be a better way to write the guidelines uh, in the US? Of course, the guidelines only represent the an interpretation of the current position. So you're talking there about changing... Changing the tax system yeah, in the US that's right. and that's more yeah. challenging. Yeah. However, the UK again is 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 a very it, it treats all of this very leniently because the UK uh, doesn't have a two hundred dollar or two hundred pound uh, limit, if you like, on individual transactions with foreign currency. It has. Um, it basically says that 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 money that you. A foreign currency that you buy for your personal spending overseas um, is not subject to capital gains. So you know, if you if you if, if you live a very lavish lifestyle, you 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 could exchange quite large amounts of 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 of, of money for for foreign currency. So long as you spend it overseas, you could uh, you you would avoid any capital gains. Now, what would really be nice is if the um if hmrc and they have quite a lot of discretionary power here to sort of come up with these kind of um waivers and exemptions if they were to to widen that uh, and take out the um take out the overseas element uh, that would be really um very useful because then money that you bitcoin that you purchase for your personal spending so they're distinguishing there between things that you use for for trading and for 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 business purposes but if you're using it for personal expenditure uh, you could have countless cups of coffee without ever having to even think about it that would be nice
2: yeah indeed uh, i guess i have one more question i want to throw in here briefly uh You talked that in the UK, you know, you don't have to worry about VAT. Does the IRS tax guidance have any implications for
1: VAT? and i can't think of any because they don't have a, a a federal they don't have a vat system in the us and um the the sales taxes are either state or local level even um, yeah. quite local uh, so i don't think there's any anything similar to, to that but it's interesting that you've taken us back to vat because there is something that um probably isn't yet fully appreciated and that is that there is still a tax a VAT burden in the system for miners and for exchanges. Uh, There's this wonderful notion that, you know, something is is free of of VAT, but actually we have more rates of no VAT, (laughs) more types of no VAT in the UK than we have positive rates of VAT. Um, In the UK, there's a pretty standard 20%, and then there's, uh, for certain... Um, certain socially important <coughs> sectors like energy costs, personal energy costs and so on is a lower 5% rate. But um, we have three kinds of no tax. We have this 0%, so that's fully taxable but at nil percent So that has the advantage that all the things that you can claim back on things that you purchase as a business, uh, you can still claim the VAT back, even though you're not charging VAT on your outputs, on your sales of goods and services. But we also have two other kinds. We have something that's called exempt. This, generally speaking, comes from European legislation on areas that need to be exempt. And a notion of something that's called outside the scope, Um, what that basically means is it doesn't fall Within the VAT regime at all. VAT is not interested in it. Now, we might say that all of these things carry no tax, no VAT, but the, 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 there, there is a fine distinction, particularly between, um, I'll group together exempt and, and outside the scope items for a moment because they're relevant to Bitcoin. If something, if your output, if, if the service that you provide is exempt, then you're not allowed to claim back the vAT on the purchases that you make on the inputs to your business uh, that go into making those exempt supplies so if you have uh, well, let's take the example of um, of uh, of an exchange an exchange is um, paying for um, maybe premises which in some cases um, may carry VAT. They'll be paying for hosting services. There'll be VAT possibly on that and so on and so forth. And some of the things that they buy in from overseas, they are obliged to self-charge themselves for for yeah. for the VAT that would have been due if the person supplying them had been subject to VAT. So there are all these things that come into the business and in the normal circumstances, a business can claim back and recover the VAT on its purchases. Well, to the extent that it's making exempt uh, sales, it cannot. It has to perform quite complex calculations on what its inputs are relative to its outputs and exclude claiming back the VAT. And that um, that means that there is a a VAT burden which ultimately gets passed on, hidden in the price of the service, to the consumer. So there is still a VAT burden. Now, this VAT treatment says that the income that miners get from their mining activities is outside the scope for various argued reasons. And so outside the scope, input, uh, uh, outputs mean that you can't claim any of the inputs, that, that the tax on the inputs, the VAT on the inputs that, uh, that you so, suffered.
2: So just to restate that, that means if miners, so the miners are going to have certain incomes from the Bitcoins they mine, mm-hmm. and then they're going to have certain expenses such as buying the mining hardware, mm-hmm. uh, electricity, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So uh, your point is... Um,
1: they can't claim back the VAT. They
2: can't claim back the VAT on that. So Correct. that, I guess, would be a competitive disadvantage for putting mining farms in
1: the UK. Definitely so. Uh, that would I would definitely say that. And even the income that they generate from... Transaction fees, which is subject to VAT, but is treated a bit like banking type payment type services, and therefore is exempt, suffers the same problem. So you're absolutely right. Mining uh, carried out in in the UK is is um, is bad news from a tax point of view. You 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 definitely are at a VAT disadvantage. And what about? Uh, I just
0: wanted to go back to the US. Um, what does this uh, guideline uh, say for mining? Like how how are mining companies in the U.S. affected by this? And does that have a uh, an impact on, you know, uh, potentially
1: mining companies uh, not, you know, being not, there? Not from a VAT perspective no, because there's no. no VAT. But in terms of uh, income tax, our understanding is that it is um, income at the point where – um, mining took place. So, if you successfully mine a block, then you've earned money on that day that you mined it. So that's treated like income. And, and if uh, you then dispose of those uh, those Bitcoin um, six months later, and they've appreciated in value, then that's a um, an a, 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 a realizable event. And any increase in the value of those Bitcoins that you mined is at that point, that later point, um, uh, uh, grounds for um, capital gain. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think that's completely sensible. Uh,
0: I guess my kind of takeaway on this is um, that it's interesting to recognize the differences between countries – uh, and how they're treating Bitcoin, like this is something we've said a hundred times before <laughs> um and which makes life very interesting for people like you uh, who who work in in this in this space um but ultimately I, I think it just makes things complicated because uh, for for businesses but also for consumers because in the end uh consumers are using bitcoin across borders and um And that might have an impact on how they can use Bitcoin, you know, maybe to purchase something online in a different country, or uh, that might scare some people off, or?
1: I think, generally speaking, your main consideration as a taxpayer anywhere is the tax regime in the country where you pay tax. Um, So. If you live in the UK and you're subject to UK taxes, that's, that's the place that you need to concern yourself about the tax implications. Um, if you um, are in the States, then it affects US um, taxpayers. If you're a UK or French or German uh, taxpayer and you happen to do business in the States, I don't think you're going to have to worry too much about um, About your tax position, unless you you spend, um, I think in the States case, uh, more than 183 days a year in the States, or you have businesses that you've established in the States, then then you may become liable to U.S. tax and then you have to think about all the U.S. implications. So go live in in some tax-free exotic island, you know, (laughs) (laughs) do all your Bitcoin business from there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. We 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 could record live from um <laughs> from the middle of the in, Pacific I, Ocean.
2: I mean, I guess this is not such an absurd point to, to bring up, no, after all there's been all these efforts to uh, you know, these seasteading <laughs> ideas so you'd have kind of uh, autonomous countries that are in overseas territory and I've also heard that some people are trying to uh, build up something like that in Central America, kind of like a Hong Kong like place. And uh, there is a real question whether you know at some point Bitcoin businesses will move to such places because of course the big advantages as well if you're a hundred percent cryptocurrency business, often it doesn't matter where you are. you can go anywhere. So I mean I, I know some startups here in Berlin, for example, and they're you know located in Malta or uh, in different places but but not here because it doesn't
1: matter for them um, a- absolutely the case um, Bitcoin is 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 global uh, the currency doesn't belong in any particular jurisdiction. It's ideal uh, for and it's based on the internet, which is where. So it's everywhere. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's, it's, I, it's, I guess it's this ideal. breaks
2: down as soon as you have the intersection with fiat currencies, right?
0: Um, if um, you
1: need-
0: <laughs> intersection <laughs> with fiat currency problem number forty-seven.
1: <laughs> well, some people consider it n- nearly problem number one um, yeah. because, of course, it's it, it's there that you have the friction with the traditional banking system, and. F- for businesses that are either on the ramp on or the ramp off, or the gateway businesses in Bitcoin, um, they're the ones who struggle because they, they they have to exist somewhere where they can get a, a banking relationship, and that right now is hard enough anywhere.
2: Yeah, and um, uh, just if we
0: to illustrate that, that most most problems that we that we have uh, that we can uh, pinpoint or most likely happen at the intersection with fiat and Bitcoin.
1: Yes. Yeah. How wonderful <laughs> so, if we could all just work within a crypto economy. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it?
2: So, uh, a question regarding this uh, the UK tax guidance. Because at the moment, there is not uh, functioning, as far as I know, at least a UK based uh, Bitcoin exchange. And uh, from my understanding, at least one reason is that it's been extremely difficult for uh, UK Bitcoin startups to get. Bank relationships. Uh, do you think this is going to change with this new tax guidance? Do you think uh, we will see more, uh, perhaps, proper Bitcoin exchanges in the UK? Um,
1: there are there are some in the UK. Um, there are some that are um, registered corporations that are registered even in the UK. That at the moment. Operate their businesses in other jurisdictions. I mean, like Bitstamp. Exactly. But, but
2: they don't. They don't do the actual exchange.
1: They don't run the exchange. No, exactly. That, that's that's my point. But they. they um, but yeah, I think your underlying question is 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 is, is still highly valid. The, the, the real problem for exchanges is it's almost impossible. It is impossible to get a. a, a A bank account if you've got if you do anything with bitcoin i mean i i heard of one and how ridiculous is this i heard of one um company that's a startup in the education field they want to do a set of um products to educate folks about um crypto bitcoin so forth and that's their business and um, they went to the bank and said, um, you know, here's our business plan and, uh, you know, there's a there's a gap in the market to, to provide education services and training tools in this wonderful new space of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And they said, no, we're not interested. They don't yeah. transact Bitcoins themselves. They're not involved in trading or buying or selling Bitcoin and um, it's not part of their business model. It's just, it has something to do with it. And uh, I think just, banks generally are running scared of something that they don't understand, where they feel that there may be a reputational risk or where they feel that they might be exposed to the risk of penalties from regulators uh, because they let something slip, you know, after the massive fines that HSBC incurred for allowing uh, money laundering to go on uh, for drug cartels um they the, the, all the main banks are just running scared they 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 close down uh now uh, most most money remittance businesses even quite solid and um Businesses with good reputation um, that they may have had accounts for for years, and that have proper you know AML regimes and so on. They just closed the they just closed the accounts down. But
0: why HSBC's deal was so profitable? Even with those fines, they made they made so much money in the end. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a cost of doing business, isn't it? I mean, uh, let's be honest. They, 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 it just appears they, they put a little money aside every year for, for the fines uh, that they either unintentionally or to, uh, intentionally, uh, maybe. Of course, they'll never admit to that, I'm sure. Uh, it will incur. But uh, the reality is nobody really understands what Bitcoin is. Uh, nobody understands what the implications are. It's not regulated so on and so forth. The answer to your question, Brian, uh, does this kind of guidance from HMRC help yes a little bit it makes it a little bit more respectable because it's it's now recognised it's talked about it has you know it has some some recognition from um, from incidentally HMRC is one of the bodies uh, r- responsible in the UK for supervising anti money laundering it's another of their functions so it, although this isn't mentioned in this guidance it is um, it is notable that uh, HMRC have published.
0: So let's just segue into uh, this Isle of Man uh, news. So could you maybe talk about um, the news that's come out of the Isle of Man this week and um, what it means essentially for the exchange ecosystem in the UK, but also, I guess, in Europe yeah, is
2: is the Isle of Man the answer to all our questions? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it's 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 an it is an answer to some questions, um, and certainly uh, I think quite attractive for um, for a lot of crypto businesses. The news that came out of Isle of Man just in the last uh, three or four days is that, uh, well, first of all. It hasn't been published anywhere, other than by the person who sought the information and who then publicised it on uh, CoinDesk and so on. So this is a guy uh, called Robert Paul Davis. Um, he's counsel for, I believe, uh, a, a Canadian-based um, company in the space in the payment space, and he lives and works in the Isle of Man, which is a it's a self-governing uh, British dependency. So it, it makes its own laws. It is subject to VAT um, on virtually a parallel basis to, uh, to the UK. And it has its own financial services uh, supervisory body. It's called the Financial Supervision Commission. They haven't published anything officially, but... Um, Paul Davis wrote to the commission asking for clarity after he, being a lawyer, I believe he's a a barrister, um, an advocate, he uh, wrote a a legal opinion um, for some Canadian clients of his and uh, he asked the, uh, the Isle of Man's Financial Supervision Commission to respond And they came back and said in the particular set of circumstances that he outlined, so that would be a a Bitcoin exchange based in the Isle of Man that holds uh, the funds of its clients um, and holds those funds with a a properly licensed but overseas-based payment services provider, whether or not it was required to get a separate license, whether that exchange would be required to get a separate license, within the Isle of Man and they considered it and wrote back to him and he's published parts of that reply and what that says is that it is not um, an investment business in the way that they categorize certain regulated activities and nor is it a money transmission service Uh, and so essentially it doesn't require licensing. As it stands now, In the Isle of Man, but they do say that, uh, you know, that position could change just about as everywhere else says.
0: So is just uh, to clarify, is the Isle of Man subject to the VAT regulation we're talking about earlier?
1: Well, now, that's an interesting one. It has its own VAT regime because it's a separate uh, separate country, in effect. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it mirrors the UK, so I would be very surprised if it uh, if it deviated. Basically, it, it piggybacks the UK system uh, because it's it it, it, it it that's just the way that it works. But it issues its own VAT opinions and its own VAT laws. But I think it's highly likely that 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 it will adopt the same position. So, so it,
0: yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, ben.
2: Okay, so if you put up an exchange in the Isle of Man, and you wanted to do business, for example, in Europe, I guess one of the issues would be to have a SEPA bank account where you could, you know, receive and send payments. Would that be possible? Uh, um, so, or would you then still have to get maybe licensed in some other country where you hold the bank account?
1: Um. I don't think you you need to have a license. In most cases, I don't think you need to have a license in the place where you hold the bank account in any event. The interesting thing about the Isle of Man is that it's uh, linked to the UK payments um, clearing system. So it's um, much more connected to um, Sterling than to um, to the euro and SEPA. Yeah, it's also not actually part of um, the European Union either. Uh, it doesn't. It's not a member state of the European Union. But it's oh. not actually a country, is it? Is it? A- it's 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 a separate, um, uh, independent. Uh, pr- 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 protectorate if you like. It's it's um it it it's queen is the same queen as that for the like United Canada. Kingdom, but it's yes. But it's completely independent. So yes, it, it makes its own laws.
2: So a bit like Canada, no? Yeah.
1: Oh, come on. It's a bit like Canada, but with less taxes, because there's no corporation tax, uh, unless you're a bank, in which case it's only 10% tax. There's no corporation tax of any sort in the Isle of Man, and personal taxes, I believe, are as little as 20%. Hmm. So go live in the Isle of Man. That's, That's good. Low tax. Your business isn't taxed. Only you're personally taxed, and you've got a very... Uh, lenient regime at the moment for Bitcoin. Good place for. In fact, there's the rumors of, of quite a number of Bitcoin uh, exchanges wanting to set up now in the Isle of Man.
0: Now, the fact that they're not actually in the European Union and much less part of the eurozone, uh, you know. So, like Brian was saying, how easy then would it be for exchanges to 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 set up there? I guess my question is: Are we going to see? All of Europe's exchanges uh, move to the Isle of Man, or all the, all the new ones are they are they going to be coming out of there in the next few years?
1: I, I certainly think there will be some um, uh, uh, some Bitcoin exchanges um, set up. They're, that some are already rumoured to be quite advanced stages, and have just been waiting for this kind of announcement to to yeah. gain some clarity. Again, this is uh, nothing so- official. This is just. Uh, it, it's it's reported, it's reported by by, by a by a barrister who works as a, a, a counsel for one of the uh, one uh, Canadian payment organization. So I guess you know it's it's it is reliable, but nobody has seen this uh, the original of this document. And as all reported um, information like this, it very much depends on the context in which it was written.
0: And again, so this is the, this is interpretation, much like the U.S. guideline.
1: Yeah, but it, right. you know this is this is this is better in a way because mm-hmm. this is about um, whether or not a financial regulator wants or in- considers th- th- this Bitcoin exchange to be subject to its um, its regulatory jurisdiction, I and see. it's saying it's a hands off. But then in the UK proper, um, forgive me for putting it like that, but in in the United Kingdom. The same is true of the Financial Conduct Authority, which is the uh, the main financial services regulator. Um, it has also, it hasn't unfortunately published anything, uh, but uh, pretty much every Bitcoin business has, has approached uh, the FCA to say we're a Bitcoin business. Uh, are we required to, to uh, uh, regu- register with you or become authorized with you, depending on circumstances um they've sent they've sent away saying no you're a bitcoin business we we don't regulate bitcoin businesses go mm-hmm. away
0: hmm.
1: so the uk is is is, is also a, a, a at the moment a, a, a very desirable location um for for bitcoin businesses given the the tax position given the regulatory environment um it's ideal at the moment um the only thing is that the taxes are a, a little bit more than um, than they are in the Isle of Man. (laughs) And the problem there is the banks. No, it's uh, banking relationships. My understanding, they do have their own banks in the Isle of Man, but...
2: Yeah, um, I meant in the UK. But perhaps that would be better in in the Isle of Man, that banks would actually be open to that.
1: Well, the rumor is that uh, at the moment, for similar reasons, the the sort of indigenous Isle of Man banks are not... um, Willing to take on Bitcoin-related business themselves, but um, the hope is that actually there will be some light-touch regulation uh, in in the Isle of Man. Um, hopefully, sooner rather than later, but um, I suspect it will take a while um, uh, because once it is regulated, it is uh, believed that Isle of Man banks will be much more um, much more willing uh, to. Um, to take Bitcoin businesses. I mean, they're basically, it is said, they are
0: just waiting waiting. for some,
1: some regulation to show that it's respectable business and to understand the AML implications and they're hot and ready for, for for Bitcoin businesses that are properly run. Because obviously, as with most of these small islands that uh, exist around financial services, they are challenges to the mainstream. They they want some competitive advantage, and uh, that would be great for the, for the Isle of Man economy.
2: Interesting. Well, I think uh, kind of towards the end of our show... Now, uh, you mentioned before the UK Digital Currency Association. Uh, Is there anything else you want to touch regarding to that or talk about?
1: Well, you mentioned earlier on about the situation in China. Um, It is confused because it's all... Hear, say, someone—you know—this news agency report. I think the one that broke the news originally retracted it quite early on because it made out like it was some kind of new ban. Um, a more reliable news agency that claims to have seen the document that has only been issued by the People's Bank of China um, to its regional offices is just a restatement of the. Uh, the reminder, in effect, of the notice that it issued, I think, as far back as December, giving a 15 April deadline that banks and payment institutions had to close uh, accounts that related to operators of um, Websites that trade. Wait,
2: did you say fifteenth of April? Because I, I remember on that original December statement by the Chinese government, uh, the deadline was thirty first of January. Um, but maybe they made a new one now. Well,
1: and again, we're, all, we're you know, there's nothing that you can that you can put your reliable finger on uh, to say this is what it actually said because it's not been made public. This is a notice that has been issued by the PBOC's um, headquarters to its regional offices. I guess they're the offices that have the responsibility for for managing the uh, supervising banks and payment institutions in their regions. And uh, this has basically said um, they would have to close the the banks and payment companies would have to close the accounts of essentially Bitcoin exchanges. And if I understand correctly, it's been reported that they actually name the 15 exchanges whose accounts would have to be closed by that date. Um, Obviously, this affects severely the ramp on and off Bitcoin. But I believe the same document as it is reported uh, is... Uh, you know, is, 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 is not saying and makes explicit reference to the fact that it's not saying that Bitcoin is banned in China, that uh, Bitcoin can be transacted between individuals. It warns them that uh, there are risks associated, just as pretty much everywhere has. But it's basically saying hands off for banks and payment institutions because it could be used presumably for money laundering and other things that it doesn't yet fully understand and can't regulate. Yeah, I mean that. That's really not news, and no. yeah, which is why I wanted to mention it because uh, you know I think it's been said that this week's uh, price drop, this last week's price drop in Bitcoin, uh, has been triggered by the news as if it was new news that came out of China, and everything that I can find on it indicates mm-hmm. that it is not new news but just a, a reminder of the of the previous December instruction from PBOC headquarters to regional offices.
2: That's actually a very interesting point because I was wondering about that too. And, I, you know, you saw the price drop and then you saw these news. I mean, I, I only skimped them. and I was like, I, I don't see any real news here. <laughs> uh, so I'm very curious about this. because. But then perhaps yesterday or the day before, I was wondering, perhaps this could be due to the IRS thing. I, I don't know what your views are on that. But, you know, if, if you kind of play out the negative scenario there with the IRS, it could, of course, be bad news for Bitcoin as a payment system. Uh, Purely speculation, I have no indications, Uh, I have absolutely no clue why we've seen this price drop, Uh, but I, I don't know, what are your thoughts on this?
1: For me, I, I see the IRS news as, as positive news uh, because yeah. it, it gives clarity, and businesses work best when they have clarity on the about the environment, the legal and regulatory environment, uh, and even tax environment around you know in which they operate. So I think it's it's good news. Yeah, it's that it, it, there are aspects of it that are you know that are a pain in terms of. Uh, record-keeping, of course, nothing in it is, in that IRS news was, was earth-shattering. Um, really, you know, tax uh, pundits in the states have been expressing the view that this was likely to, to be the IRS's position. In other words, their interpretation of existing uh, tax rules um, has really been just upheld. So I don't I don't see the U.S. situation as a as a negative at all. If people were expecting some completely new regime to come out of a new tax regime to come out of the U.S., well, uh, then they were misguided. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's more likely to have to do with with the, with the China situation. Let's face it, traders do well when prices go up and down, spreading a bit of. Um, of bad news is, is always good for creating buying opportunities. So if you, if you take a long, if you, you know, if you're going so, long on. Uh, the certainly,
0: yeah. And then Bobby's, Bobby Lee is always there to set things straight again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> Bitcoin's fine in China. Everything's fine.
1: <laughs> I, um, the thing is in China, you, you really do need to look for nuances. Um, you, I think, uh, Sebastian you 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 have some some background in in China do you and and and, and Asia generally i guess you you've seen that
0: uh, no i have no background oh, in Asia I, <laughs> Um I uh, no. we just you know um,
2: I, I spent some here. months there uh, years ago and i used i used to well, learn chinese once i but this is quite a while ago so well, I wouldn't I'd, consider myself a china expert
1: me neither. Although I did, I did work uh, for a number of years um, um, on projects in um, in Hong Kong, and I got um, I spent quite a lot of time there in the in the nineties, and I got uh, uh, very much a, a feel for the for the way things work in in uh, that part of the world. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a China expert either. But I definitely think there are, uh, you have to view any news that comes out of China with some. With, with not with a pinch of salt, but don't, I would generally not overreact to news that comes out of China. And, and let's face it, uh, Chinese do are big speculators and they do love a gamble, and um, and this is great for them because you know it's a roller coaster, yeah. But Bitcoin is great, it feeds that, uh, that, um that sort of gambling instinct that, uh, that there is in that part of the world. So I, I guess this kind of news suits, uh, suits a, certain, um, a certain temperament, shall we say. Cool. Well, you mentioned UK Digital Currency Association, so um, let me just do a, a, a tiny plug for them. Uh, before we wrap up, if, 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 if I may. Yes, yeah, sure. um, absolutely. It's a, it's a newly formed um, association. It's been in the making for about, uh, I guess, three or four months now. Um, and uh, a lot of key people in the Bitcoin space, in mainly in London, and the financial um, technology and the fintech sector in London are, are, are behind it. They... I think you, you did cover on a previous episode how vibrant the UK and particularly the London Bitcoin meetup is. It has somewhere yeah. 1,500 members. It's, I believe, still the largest or has become the largest um, Bitcoin meetup group in the world. And um, the folks who are behind that, uh, notably uh, Paul Gordon, who, who runs Coinscrum, the London Bitcoin meetup group, and others working in the space uh, got together to, to, to form this association. And they're now um, officially incorporated as a, a company that's limited by by, by guarantee, so effectively a, a not, not-for-profit entity, and is there to promote uh, the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, digital currency space. Very inclusive of a wide re- membership, uh, about thirty plus founder members, all including myself. I have invested interest in, in in plugging it, and uh, is has four very important working groups. One of which is dedicated to exchanges, regulation, and taxation, and is doing a lot of work to try and come up with a a, a position. Uh, on regulation and promote that lobby within Europe and within the UK to try and get that position adro- adopted. So um, you can find it online at uh, ukdca.org and folks should join and of course pay your membership fees in, in Bitcoin. It, it supports incidentally um, uh, corporate members and individual members and also supporters.
2: Great, so come and join. And, and um, I guess also, if you plan to start a Bitcoin business, are you working on that? And uh, you're wondering, how on earth am gonna, am I going to deal with all these complicated regulations? that should get in touch with you, no, with you.
1: Well, I'm afraid uh, sometimes folks need people like me. So yes, <laughs> I've I've, um, I've got a lot of experience in this field. I've uh, I've worked in this field. Uh, on and off for, for a number of years and so this is a natural thing for me um, uh, providing this kind of advice in the in the Bitcoin space because I'm such a, a crypto currency enthusiast, a ripple enthusiast an ethereum enthusiast so yes and you can find me at, uh, at coinsalt.eu that's uh, Sean siAN at coinsalt.eu. Well,
0: thank you very much, Sean, for coming on and uh, and discussing these very complex topics with us. I mean, uh, we definitely uh, needed somebody with your experience and your knowledge to come in and, and, and help us understand and help our audience understand. So it's very much appreciated. And uh, we'll definitely want to have you on again in the future uh, when more of this kind of regulation, regulatory news uh, comes up. Well, thank yeah. you. thanks for inviting me.
2: I think it would be great to, you know, maybe perhaps this again, I don't know, three months from now and then see what's been going on, what's changed, and how all these guidances we've seen now, how they've kind of played out.
1: Absolutely. I think 2014 will be a big year for news in, the, uh, in this particular space in crypto. Um, I think we will see increasingly uh, folks... Uh, coming out, uh, you know, countries coming out with um, with their opinions on how things are under the present regime, and hopefully, in uh, in time perhaps later in the year, we'll start to see some some specific uh, uh, issues of uh, Bitcoin and uh, crypto based um, uh, business, you know, uh, regulation. I think I think that will be that will be coming this week, this year, definitely this year, next year.
2: Great. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us and uh, thanks for listening. If you, uh, if you can leave us a review, that would be fantastic. You know, if you, if you listen to the show, if you appreciate it, you like it and you want to support our work, you can do that on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast uh, player, perhaps as well. If they let you reviews, so that would be uh, really appreciated and really helpful. And if you want to sign up for a newsletter, it goes out every Friday and uh, you can sign up for that at epicenterbitcoin.com newsletter
0: and also if you like the work we're doing and you'd like to support the show please go to epicenterbitcoin.com tips and you'll find our tipping addresses there Litecoin, Dogecoin and Bitcoin tipping address and also follow us on Twitter and uh, at, at uh, twitter.com epicenterbtc and we're also on Facebook you just search for Epicenter Bitcoin. thanks Everybody. very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week
2: okay thanks and goodbye